Fertility ain't fair. That's right. So let's talk about it. Real, raw, unfiltered with me, your friend in fertility. Yes, welcome back to another episode of Fertility Ain't Fair. I am your host, Britt, and if you are new, welcome to our space, our community. Um, You are welcome. Thank you for joining us. And if you are returning, well, you already know what happens here. So welcome back. Come on in, have a seat, Um, get your notepads ready. Um, Hopefully it's your Fertility Ain't Fair notebook. And if not, go ahead and check it out on Amazon. Yes, shameless plug Um, again. But... um, So today we are talking about endometriosis, which is a chronic illness that both myself and our guest, Miss Ashley Stevens, unfortunately suffer with. But we are by no means alone in this journey and in this struggle. Um, And so March being Endo Awareness Month, wanted to bring light to this very painful and undiagnosed or misdiagnosed or underdiagnosed illness and disease Um, and and talking to her about her journey, her struggles and the many, many years she has had to deal with and is still dealing with endometriosis. So Miss Ashley Stevens, though, she is an amazing event MC, radio personality, co-host, TV host, web series host. She uses her voice to inform, inspire, and empower. She has 15 years in the media experience, spanning from government to nonprofits to TV to radio, you name it, she's done it. And she's also a very proud board member of Endo Black Incorporated. We will get into who they are and what they do very, very soon. But today is all about endo and how to, you know, uh, note symptoms. What are the symptoms? What is it? And how to ask certain questions if you're if you're not being heard, if you have questions about it, if you feel like something's just not right, and maybe this could be something to bring up in your next doctor's appointment. So let's go ahead and get on into it on this episode of Fertility Ain't Fair. Ashley, welcome to Fertility Ain't Fair. How are you? I am great, Brittany. I'm doing I'm doing well. It, it's, you know, listen, each week that we're alive in this pandemic, there's nothing we can say but that we're doing well. So, yes, I'm glad to be here with you. How are you? You know, I will also say I'm doing well. And I'm just glad to have you here today to, to, to go over a couple things and really get into our chat about endometriosis one of our arch uh, nemesis <laughs> yes um that that we share in a lot of women um unfortunately we're all in the club the endo club together but before we jump into that conversation i definitely want to start off how i start every show um, by asking you how do you define yourself what are the words or phrases that describe who ashley is First is definitely resilient um, uh, and dealing with endo alone. We'll get into that. That, that I think has, has proven yeah. <laughs> in so many ways, my resilience and flexibility. Um, resilient. I'm definitely energetic. Um, I, I, I'm a go-getter. I kind of go for the things that I want. I'd like to say exuberant too. I, I try to do mm-hmm. things as best I can with a positive attitude and a positive spirit because I realize the opportunities that I have and that I'm blessed with are things that maybe someone else would love to have, love to have the opportunity to be able to try. 
mm-hmm. you know, and I don't take for granted the opportunities that I have. So I'd say exuberant and, and, and more, most of all, and something that I'm working on daily is gratitude. So grateful. Um, I would hope also describes me as someone who is grateful for all that they have and, and an expectation of all that is to come. I love it. So what, um, what's one thing today that you, or this week that you are grateful for? I am grateful for um, the opportunity to be able to unplug. Um, Mm -hmm. As a person who works in media um, on a radio show, um, you know, I host a web show, a couple web shows, like I'm always kind of dialed in and tuned into the digital world. Mm -hmm. But actually this week, I think it's been good to make a conscious effort and a conscious choice to take a break because sometimes we need the mental break for me, sometimes as someone on a fertility journey, I need the emotional break mm-hmm. and taking that break from the digital world can provide those things for me to just truly unplug and say, it's okay to not be tapped into everything else that's going on in the world and just truly find some other things to focus on in those moments. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we were talking before we hopped onto the show about a break um, in terms of social media breaks. And so, you know, you were mentioning that, you know, I just needed to get off Instagram specifically. Um, you know, like, you know, sometimes Facebook, you know, is okay and I can get past that. But for, you know, for what it meant for you, it was, I need to get off Instagram for, you know, a period of time because it's just been a lot. Exactly right, Brittany. And yes, as, as, as we were chatting and, and definitely don't mind sharing, I mean, I think, again, breaks are healthy. I think we have to know our limits and know what we can and cannot handle. Mm-hmm. And for me, someone who, you know, when I received news, I guess, two summers ago, after my first surgery for endometriosis, that conceiving children might not be likely for me, uh, according to the doctors, because again, that's not that's not God's final say. Mm-hmm. Um I do have moments where I struggle with maternity shoots and pregnancy announcements mm-hmm. and birth photos and cute outfits and um and I and I it's such a uh, it's such a mixed bag a catch twenty two rather because I again as as someone who describes myself as grateful I by all means don't want it to seem as though I'm not happy for other people because I honestly am. I'm so happy to see other people when they receive their blessings. Mm -hmm. The duality of it is being 39, just, you know, for almost, you know, for a few weeks now, Mm -hmm. it's the Lord, when is it going to happen for me? I'm I'm not on the young end of things. Right. And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I know what I can and can't handle. And sometimes I need those breaks because I don't need Instagram in particular because it's image driven. Mm -hmm. The images are just more stark. And when it's in your face and you're not in a good emotional space, it's okay to step back and say, you know what, dial off, delete the app, take the break, do what you need to do to protect your peace. And so that's, that's what I'm doing and not sure how long it'll last, but for now it's all already been, you know, it's already been almost a week and I feel good about that, that I don't really miss picking up the phone to go to it. So, right. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I, I thank you for, for being open to sharing that. I think, like you said, it is a duality that, you know, we, we are happy for those who we care about and who we follow and who, you know, friends, family or other, and we are excited. But like you said, we have to also not feel guilty for protecting our own mental space, our own Mm -hmm. peace and our own journey. And, um, right. 
you know, I think that's where sometimes people in our community can feel bad, right? You, you feel guilty. Like I shouldn't have to delete the app. I should be okay with it. No, you don't have to be. You don't have mm-hmm. to be okay with seeing those images. You don't have to be okay with, you know, how it makes you feel. You know, I, I think, you know, we need to just make better efforts for, for our own space and our own peace to do what's best for us and not feel guilty for doing that. So thank you for sharing um, your break. And so we wish you all the best and continuing to get off IG <laughs> for a little while. <laughs> I appreciate that. And I appreciate you understanding as well, because not everyone does. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and some people think that maybe you're being bitter or maybe mm-hmm. you're being too emotional because you can't handle, or maybe you're jealous because you mm-hmm. can't handle other people's good news. And I, and I don't think that's it. I, I'm not a, mm-hmm. I, I'm not a spiteful. I'm not a jealous. I'm not a bitter or resentful person. This uh, just stems from, you know, news, he- hearing news later in your maternity years that you're mm-hmm. still trying to deal with. And as a single woman, to me, it's compounded as well, yeah. because you feel a little bit like your options are, I won't say cut in half, but I'd say maybe what might take twice as long to reach because you're by yourself. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it is, it's just really complex. Like you said, adding on to, you know, maternal age and adding on to, you know, being single and just, you know, you add to that journey. Um, and it's super complex, but, um, yes, totally understand. Um, so let's, let's dive into Indo. So I'm going to do a quick definition per Google, uh, for all of those who may be listening to, you know, get a, a baseline, right. For us all to start on the same page, because you may or may not know what it is, or you may have heard of it. Um, and you may not, you know, be dealing with it. Maybe someone, you know, is et cetera. So, Um, We're defining endometriosis as an often painful disorder in which tissue similar to the tissue that normally lines the inside of a uterus called the endometrium, it grows outside of the uterus. So it can affect your ovaries, fallopian tubes, um, the tissue lining your pelvis, etc. And so what usually triggers the pain that we feel you know, either for the first time or monthly or, or whatever it is, um, is a your monthly menstrual cycle. So every cycle, the tissue thickens, it breaks down, it bleeds. And so there's no way for that tissue to exit your body. So it becomes trapped. So therefore, it just creates essentially scar tissue and adhesions in places where it shouldn't be. So mm-hmm. that's just a baseline, you know, for all of us feeling the same page. And so, like I said, I had no idea, you know, this was even part of my life until I had a surgery. Um, and so some of the common symptoms, and we'll get into what, you know, you discovered with yours. Um, one of the most common ones is pelvic pain, often associated with menstrual periods, but not always. Um, you know, you can have, um, you know, pain in your pelvic area, you know, outside of just your, your monthly menstrual period. Um, so pain during intercourse, sometimes pain during or after sex can be common pain with bowel movements or urination, excessive bleeding, uh, bleeding in between your periods or heavy menstrual bleeding during your periods. Of course, infertility is one of the common, um, side effects and symptoms of endometriosis and how them to find out about it a lot of times because they're trying to figure out what's going on and this may come up in that conversation. 
And then other things like fatigue, diarrhea, constipation, bloating and nausea, et cetera. And that could all be heightened during your menstrual period. Mm -hmm. So those Mm -hmm. are all just really common symptoms. So if you're out there thinking like, you know, what's going on, you know, am I overthinking? Am I, am I downplaying my pain? No, you're probably not right for you to get answers to get help. So in terms of your journey, Ashley, when did you find out or when were you diagnosed with endometriosis and what symptoms did you have, I guess, prior to even knowing you may have had it? Sure. And you did a great job of, of really explaining what it is because you're right. I still encounter many people, many adults who are not familiar with it, haven't heard mm-hmm. of it, don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for many, many people that think that it's just a um, a, a very bad period, a very painful period, but it really right. can be a full body disease and mm-hmm. it can affect women in different parts of their bodies. So I received an official diagnosis in the summer of 2019, um, right before I turned 37, which is considered pretty late in life, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, because mm-hmm. I'd had issues since my period started, mm-hmm. um, which was right before I turned 12. And so yeah. for 27 years, I was in debilitating pain Mm. every single month. Cramps that would keep me literally on the floor, nausea, vomiting. We tried different medicines. We tried prescription medicines. Nothing would stay down. I would pass out from pain. Mm. Um, You name it. Uh, Terrible, terrible migraine. Migraines Mm -hmm. that would uh, keep coming back. Um, Heavy bloating. Mm-hmm. Um, that was all kind of through my preteen and teen years. Um, I was able to get myself on birth control just before I started college. And that helped yeah. to, that helped to kind of mitigate some of the symptoms to where I wasn't missing work or school mm-hmm. for a couple of days in a row, mm-hmm. maybe one day a month I would miss. And otherwise I could be still, you know, a student athlete and, and work and work at the newspaper and intern and do journalism and do college activities Mm -hmm. um, without too much interruption. But again, I didn't know, I never knew, I had not heard the word endometriosis until I was in my late twenties living in New York. Yeah. And um, I tried different types of birth control by that time and different, and over time they would just wear off and just stop working. The pain Mm -hmm. would be back. And um, I had a male doctor at that time who said, well, it's very possible you have endometriosis, but the only way to find out and confirm is by surgery. Mm-hmm. Now, I had moved to New York at the time. I packed up. I quit my state government job in South Carolina, packed up, moved to New York with no job and dreams of hosting a talk show. And I did <laughs> just that. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of, you know, I had little jobs here and there until I landed something full time. Mm-hmm. So I can't remember the full reason as to why he did not perform the surgery. I don't remember at the time if it was an insurance matter mm-hmm. um, or what, what I think may have been more so the case. He and um, other gynecologists even around that time said, well, you're in your late 20s. You'll be married soon. You'll have children. Mm-hmm. The pain goes away after you have babies. Oh, wow. So I've been hearing this. I've been hearing this baby being the remedy since <laughs> I was at least 16 years old. Wow. From doctors, from other women who had bad periods. Well, yeah, after after the baby, you yeah. know, the, the pain just went away. The pain really improved after the baby. So I've been holding out hope for this miracle babies, quote mm-hmm. unquote, to take my pain away since then. And then there's also this preconceived notion that, well, Southern women get married younger and, oh, you're almost 30. There's no reason to think that you wouldn't be married and have a child. Mm. Of course, we all wanted to think that. And here I am a year from 40 and it's never happened. 
Right. I don't think that it won't, but it hasn't yet. Mm -hmm. So the diagnosis came late in life, 27 years after I'd been experiencing debilitating pain, tried different things, finally had a surgeon who believed took my pain seriously enough to uh, do uh, a laparoscopic surgery. That's Mm -hmm. how they diagnose. And I have what's considered advanced stage or end stage um, endometriosis Mm -hmm. stage four, Mm -hmm. um, which is, uh, as you mentioned, adhesions that form inside your body. They had fused many of my internal organs together, mm. mostly in my digestive and reproductive tract. So I've been having digestive issues for the past decade or more. I've had several gastrointestinal surgeries because we never knew that it was endo. Wow. That was the real culprit. Mm-hmm. So there was a bit of relief in knowing I had an official diagnosis in the summer of 19. And there was also a grand emotional breakdown Yeah, because not ever having been told that conception might not be an option for me was was legitimately earth shattering. Yeah. To be completely honest with you, mm-hmm. it it, mm-hmm. it broke me down in more ways mm-hmm. than I I ever even wanted to admit. Mm-hmm. As someone who considers again the first word I mentioned that I describe myself as resilient, mm-hmm. someone who usually bounces back from things with a positive attitude, I didn't handle it well. And the reality is, with advanced as my endo is, even after surgery, it's come back. And so I had yet another surgery at, in early 2020, uh, I'm sorry, early 2021. So not even a year and a half later. And, um, and that has helped with some of the mm-hmm. pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a greater reality. Again, it's, it, it's stage four. I mean, I, I have read there are women in other groups who have had multiple surgeries just to mitigate the pain. Yep. Um, some who try different herbal remedies, CBD mm-hmm. products, different things. I mean, I've tried different things and honestly, nothing really, really helped except the surgery because I was so badly fused yeah. inside. So that is my journey from diagnosis to today. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's, been, it's been an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, yeah, I'm trying. To, I was trying to go where to where to start from there. I think yeah. one thing that you said that really stood out was the fact that you know people are 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 not really coming with a solution outside for so long than a baby, and That's you know it. you know not to dig deeper. And I, I I every time I talk to someone about endo. I, you know, I, I have to know the journey and, and how they got to their diagnosis because I more and more, and I, I feel like you may have heard this, a lot of the same things. It's more and more about, you know, just not being either taken seriously or not heard or, you know, just no one ever bringing it up. And I'm like, why are doctors not bringing it up more? And maybe it's because a surgery has to be involved to you know, get the concrete answer, but it still should be an option. You know, I just, mm-hmm. it's baffling to me, I think, you know, that, you know, people in, in the healthcare profession, no matter how wonderful they are, they're not bringing it up as a possible um, diagnosis more when we're, we're coming to them and saying, my period's not normal. My, you know, my, my symptoms aren't normal. Um, you know, I've, I've even, you know, kind of blame myself sometimes. I say, you know what, maybe I should have been more, you know, aggressive about talking about how bad things are. And maybe I did mitigate them because I've been learning how to cope. So by the time I talked to the doctor, maybe I did kind of brush it off as it, you know what I mean? But then I'm like, mm-hmm. well, yes, but no, no one in my healthcare life, you know, up until I was 30, you know, even brought it up. 
even as a mention, is just really baffling to me. And it, and it makes me sad and upset, you know, that I hear more and more women, especially women of color, talking about having to deal with something that they just don't know what it is. Because um, that's, of course, one of the most frustrating things, you know, in the world is to just be battling something that you don't know what it is. And that's what mm-hmm. this disease, it is a disease, is, is what it is. And it's funny because with me, I too, you know, always had very uh, painful periods. And so, like, you know, I, I said it before, I just thought I was an unlucky girl. Like, you know, like some people, you know, they told us they would be uncomfortable. Maybe I'm just having worse pain than other people. And I don't think I really thought twice about it for so long. You know, it was just like, yeah, maybe I did miss, you know, cheer practice today. Maybe I, I couldn't go to dance today or I couldn't do swim today. And I just thought it was normal. And then it got Mm -hmm. to the point where in adult life, I really was like, I don't think I can work today. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's not normal. (laughs) That, that should be happening. You know what I mean? And the first person to ever say to me, you know, Hey, do you think you might have this was my husband? Like from watching all those endometriosis ads on TV. (laughs) Wow. He was the first one that said to me, do you think you might have that? And I was like, I don't know. I feel like if I would have, someone would have told me by now. That's what I said back. And I just, I kind of was like, huh, I don't know. And it wasn't until I had my surgery, um, you know, to remove my fallopian tube that was blocked, that was endo ridden, that I didn't know that they were like, oh yeah, we found endo there. We tried to take some of it away from that side. We did what we could, but there's there's still more there, you know? And, and as you mentioned, even with surgery, you know, it's a good chance of it coming back. But to have to go through mm-hmm. all these hoops, right? To get to a diagnosis is just baffling to me. My God. it It is, it is. And something that you mentioned, I think the fact that well, one, and I would encourage women and, and anyone who's listening is to, to not blame yourself and, and, and to be your own advocate. I think sometimes we do look back and wonder, well, what else could I have done? And, and mm-hmm. maybe maybe I didn't fight as hard as I could have. And I think we did the best we could with what we knew how mm-hmm. at the time, right? I, mm-hmm. I think we could. I think there's even been research to show that Black women's pain is just not believed mm-hmm. at the rate of non-Black women. Mm-hmm. And it usually takes on average seven to 10 years longer for a black woman to receive an endometriosis diagnosis than a white woman, because again, our significant pain is not believed or it's believed that we can handle such a great amount of pain that, oh, well, she can handle it. Surely it's nothing more serious. Mm-hmm. So I've seen numerous doctors from the time I was 12 years old and, and God bless my mom. She did everything she could and knew how within her power. I mean, yeah. she really did. And, um, you know, we, we, we did with what we knew at the time. And, and that word was never mentioned. Endometriosis right. rather was never mentioned until I was a young adult. Yeah. Right. So yeah. yeah. And yeah. from there it's taken, even from before then, it still continued to take a lot of self-advocacy mm-hmm. to ask questions, to, to be my own doctor at times I've received, you know, referrals and, and uh, you know, advice to, go into temporary menopause with certain medications Mm. to have quote unquote, the final surgery. I don't even like to say the word. It starts with the letter H because I don't receive it over my life. And I don't want that as a part Mm -hmm. of my story. So I don't Mm -hmm. really ascribe or subscribe to it. Yeah. But doctors will tell you a lot of stuff. They Mm -hmm. will. 
but I would say also to anyone listening to hopefully this podcast alone is a great resource that you can, you know, learn information from Indo black. I'm proud to be a board member of, um, black one with endometriosis mm-hmm. incorporated. And, and we offer, we are definitely a resource hub, um, for black women and women, women of color to help them advocate for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe this can be a starting point for someone listening to say, hey, maybe I need to dig a little deeper and really pray to be led to the right place and the right person. Right. Because yeah. there are a lot of doctors who will, yeah, they'll give you the surgery and they still won't do what needs to be done because they're right. not necessarily specialists. There is a difference. There are gynecologists and there are endo specialists who are more rare. And it is worth your time and your money and your investment to really research and find a skilled endo specialist to make sure that if they're going in, they know exactly what they're doing to help clear the endo out. Yeah, that's good. That's a super mm-hmm. good point and a good resource. And we'll definitely make sure to plug Indo Black at the end of this. And of course, plug um, you as well to connect. Um, you've already mentioned some of the things that you've done to cope with your pain over all of these years. Um, tell me this. You've had two surgeries at this point. Have you ever uh, got medicated for endo? metriosis specifically like I know there's a couple things that I was or one in particular I won't say the name of the medicine but that I was offered I should say um by my OBG just recently and I, I chose against it um at the moment um but you know have you taken on any you know medication for endo you know during your journey with it I've been recommended two things to take and like you mm-hmm. mentioned like you said I don't have to necessarily say the names but um one, I believe, is essentially cancer medication mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that, again, is supposed to stop your menstruation, mm-hmm. right? It's supposed to put you into temporary menopause. Yes. The hope mm-hmm. is that, one, it stops your pain month to month. Mm-hmm. Two, it stops you from releasing eggs so that that way, because when with endometriosis, it's very possible you may have a lower egg reserve. So they're saying, Mm -hmm. they they try to sell it as, hey, maybe this is more beneficial. You're going to preserve the eggs that you do have. You won't be in the monthly pain, but you are actually going on into menopause with the nightmares, the hot flashes, the night sweats, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of mood swings. I've read from other, I did a lot of research when they first offered this particular medication to me. Mm -hmm. And I would hear other women in other groups talk about it. And um, they said, if you're already someone who is dealing with uh, perhaps depression, don't get on this. Because suicidal ideations are some of the side effects, right? And a lot of women who are just finding out they have a serious condition like endometriosis or they may be be having fertility challenges, that can do a number on your mental health alone. And I didn't want to add a new medicine to that mix. Mm -hmm. So I was first prescribed one thing um, and then it wasn't available, I guess, because during the pandemic, the pandemic had just begun. Mm. And for whatever reason, I guess they actually needed it for cancer patients. Like it was just a short supply. So they recommended something else. It was entirely, it was going to be like $800 a month. Who's oh. paying for that? Like, I, I don't have it. I, I, yeah, no. It was going to be something absurd and ridiculous. Wow. And it was still, again, going to put me in temporary menopause, yeah. which I absolutely refuse because these medications over time can cause your bones to be more dense Yes, from everything that I've read, from yes. everything I've read. And not only that, from other women, I've gotten on the phone with other women yes. and talked to them and said, tell me your experience. How long were you on it? Did it impact you? There's some women that say, it's been great. I've been able to have my life back because I'm not in pain. Mm-hmm. Other women that have been on this stuff on and off for months and for years, literally are in their thirties and forties with frail bones and frail yeah. teeth. 
because the medication has done a number and I, it's not for me. It's yeah. not for me. Yeah. So with that, you know, I, I, I have continued to try to find ways to manage the pain. Again, the surgery was a big help again mm-hmm. in early 2021. And um, I have definitely tried acupuncture. Yeah, me too. I have tried yep. herbal. I've tried herbs yep. that seemed to help for a while until, mm-hmm. again, my condition was just so advanced that the herbs alone just weren't going to do it because everything internally yeah. was in bad shape, so to speak. So, yeah, acupuncture, herbs. Um, I do a lot of, I don't drink caffeine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do a lot of decaf green tea. Mm-hmm. Ginger tea is good for digestive. I have, I still, you know, I've had digestive issues with this disorder. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll say just in terms of things that have helped, cutting out meat, um, definitely cutting back on dairy, anything that can be inflammatory. Yeah. I don't really keep or eat a lot of bread. I don't keep bread in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't keep, what do you buy sugar in the packets, sugar in the you know, whatever sugar you granulate yeah. sugar to put mm-hmm, in coffee. I, mm-hmm. I, I haven't bought a pack of sugar in many, many years. Um, because again, anything white, anything starchy, that can all be inflammatory, mm-hmm. which is not good for someone with an, an, an illness like endometriosis. So watching what you eat, I think, is, is part of the battle in addition to finding any type of herbal um, supplement. Yeah, I love that you brought that up. I love it. Um, yeah, I, I too have done acupuncture um, you know, as you mentioned, certain teas and herbal remedies, um, you know, ginger and turmeric definitely help with, you know, inflammation mm-hmm. um, and um, raspberry leaf and dandelion root. Those are all things that can help with, you know, a number of things, but, you know, definitely things that are anti-inflammatory um, can also help with fibroids as well. If you're, if you're dealing with those on top of this, like I am as well. Um and so I, I glad, I'm glad that you were honest about, you know, the medication because we're, we're talking about the same one. We had the same one in mind. And I was looking at all kinds of different reviews and, you know, different groups of women asking them about, you know, had they taken it, what their thoughts were, et cetera. And the one thing that you mentioned was my red flag, my, my internal red flag, I would say, was the, the mental toll the bone density also caught my eye very heavily but you know Mm -hmm, when I mm -hmm. when I continuously saw the you know depression and anxiety being mentioned as you know being very heavily influenced by this drug I was like there is no way I can take on as you mentioned you know any additional um you know a boost in anxiety and depression that's Right. You know, it's like, I'd rather at this point be in pain or look to do another surgery before I intentionally, you know, amp up on anxiety, anxiety and depression. I I just can't. I can't. So that for me, I agree with you. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that was the internal like, you know, the the internal alarm going off like, girl, it's not for you. (laughs) It's it's not for you but as you mentioned there are women who of course have been helped with this so you know once again we're not here to give medical advice you know we are here to say hey this is what we have tried what we've experienced and of course advocate and find your own uh, path in this disease and any other disease that you have um, but yeah I, I appreciate your honesty on that because I felt the same way actually oh I was gonna say I think some women too they're so desperate for relief yeah, that they do go with the first thing, first thing the doctor suggests. Mm-hmm. They're, they, I mean, literally, this this disease can be crippling. Mm-hmm. You know, I consider myself blessed that it impacts my digestive and reproductive areas. 
Right. There are women who have endometriosis in their lungs. Mm-hmm. Literally, the, the scar tissue mm-hmm. and adhesions are in their lungs. They have lung collapses. They have to have surgery every few months mm-hmm. just to be able to regularly breathe. Right. There are other women that I know that they've had so many surgeries that have that have ended up botched. They impact they impact their bladder, just their mm. ability to be able to go to the bathroom every day. Mm. Right. Like um, and, and so, yeah, there's there's what's considered thoracic endo, which is in the chest. Very, very rare occasions. They have found that endo has floated to women's brains like it, it is. I, who, no one you would never have known this if you weren't no. <laughs> someone who had. the yeah. illness, Right. Yeah. So so I say that many women really are so desperate for relief that they do try medications. And I, I'm certainly not one to knock someone for their decision to try what they want to try mm-hmm. that might work for them. Um, I, I just know for me and at this age and, and desiring a family, I'm just going to stick it out, you know, Yeah. and, 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 and see what God has for me because I don't want to limit my body with the medications that could do in my view, more harm than good at this point. Yep. I totally agree. I totally agree. So I know you mentioned earlier, you know, being 39, a beautiful 39, let's be very clear. Um, oh, thank you. Okay. <laughs> a beautiful 39, a young 39 by all other standards outside of us going to the fertility clinic. <laughs> um, right. You know, it, it's, it's by no means uh, the end of the road, but I, I know that in our world, you know, they look at you funny after 35, which is just a whole different conversation. So what are your, current plan, freezing eggs, freezing embryos, you know, kind of where are you in in terms of what you would like to see next for, for your family plans? Sure. Um, well, I have gone forward to freeze eggs. I did that right when the pandemic started. It actually was pushed back a little bit because COVID was up in the air. No one really Mm. knew at the time how it was spreading and how you catch it. So it got pushed back a bit, but I was thankfully still able to do it. And I have just a couple of eggs frozen. I'm, I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just one very expensive step. The yes. next very expensive step is uh, the actual fertilization of the egg, which means, mm-hmm. you know, you, you need donor sperm or a partner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what I currently don't have. Um, and so uh, I admit to you, Brittany, that's still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. It, it's a mix of, you know, do I have an action plan plus, <laughs> you know, what what might God, um, how, how, how might he show himself strong and show up in my life, right? Yeah. That yeah. perhaps there's still time for a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do have, you know, girlfriends and colleagues that have, have ventured forward as single women on their own because motherhood is important to them. Mm-hmm. And I'm so proud of them for being that courageous to go forward and do it. Mm -hmm. Um, It is something I definitely would consider. Um, But the biggest thing for me now is just, is financial goals at this point. I've got to, I've got to save up because IVF is not covered, covered by everyone's insurance plan. Right. And again, as a single person trying to do this by yourself, you really have to decide, okay, what's, what's next. They've told me that IVF may be, may be my only route to motherhood. So, and for those who are listening and may not be familiar, that's, where everything happens externally, the egg mm-hmm. and, the, and the sperm are fertilized externally. They create an embryo in a lab and then implant that into my uterus just because my tubes and everything had all been fused together to my internal organs and everything was so badly blocked. They didn't see natural conception as an option. Again, doctor's words, 
not the word of God, right? Right. So I want right. I want to be clear there because I don't think my story is over. So yep. yes, um, I moved back to South Carolina, in fact, from DC, in an effort to help save funds and save money for the next journey, if that is IVF. So that's what I'm considering, and also weighing: does that look like you know reaching out to someone, uh, you know, uh, an actual colleague or friend that might desire to father, or does it look like getting a donor, mm-hmm. or does it look like just seeing what the next few months hold to see if maybe I'll have a partner, you know, in real life um, yeah. that could also father. So it's, I admit to you, it's still a, it's still a uh, work in progress. Brittany yeah. Is. And that's fine. And mm-hmm. I, I, I wish you as I have, you know, I continue to, you know, all the things that your heart desires, I pray for those things for you and pray that you have the discernment that you need to make the next steps for your journey, whatever that may be. And that, you know, you are, are confident and, and faith filled when it comes to whatever it looks like next and be, you know, being okay with not knowing what it is today. Um, because as you Thank mentioned, you. you know, you don't know what, what God's going to bring into your life and, you know, when that decision is made, you know, for you or, or when you decide, um, you know, I, I pray that, you know, the, the miracle happens because we are we are both looking for our miracles and praying on our miracles daily. Yes. So um, I, I pray it's going to happen. I pray that motherhood for the both of us and anyone else listening, if that's in your heart, I pray that it is going to happen and we don't know when and that's hard. But it's going to happen in, in one way or another. So Amen. I just, I thank yeah. you for, for coming and sharing your story. I thank you for connecting with me so openly. I was a stranger to you and we were connected by <laughs> another friend. And I'm just glad that he had the, the insight from both of us to know that it would be a beneficial connection. And so, um, you know, I definitely, um, you know, think of you as part of my, my fertility family. Um, and so, so tell us, um, how can you be reached? What's your web and social and please plug Indo Black as a resource as well. Sure, 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 sure. So yes, I've, I've, I've been delighted to speak with you, Brittany, and I, and I stand in in agreement with you that it's going to happen for us. And Mm -hmm. I want to encourage people who are listening. I think sometimes when, especially when I was first diagnosed, I'll say that everyone thought the solve to try to make me and other women in my similar situation feel better was, Oh, well, you can always adopt. Oh, and while I appreciate goodness. that, I would yes. I would ask people to be more mindful before you offer that to someone who's going mm-hmm. through their own fertility journey, mm-hmm. because it's not as easy as going to say that you're going to pick up a child from the agency. It really is not. No, it is expensive. It is yep. time consuming. And I told, trust me, it will be worth it. And don't and it is absolutely something I would love to do. Yes. It's also one of those things, especially now being single, there's still a lot of steps you have to take. So it's Mm -hmm. not as simple as someone just thinking that that could be your quick resolve and it's going to happen in two months Mm -hmm. or three Mm -hmm. months or even a year because it really might not. So I would just ask people to be mindful when you do offer that to people that adoption is a beautiful journey. And I'm so excited for uh, friends and colleagues who have taken that route and been blessed with beautiful children and the gift of parenthood that route. And and I look forward, like I said, if that may be one of the options for me, I I, I look forward to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, I can be reached... Um, on social media, my name is Ashley, that's A-S-H-L-E-I. And on Instagram, it's Ashley underscore Stevens, S-T-E-V-E-N-S. Uh, and I definitely follow Fertility Ain't Fair on Instagram. So you can find me there on Facebook. My website is Ashley.net, A-S-H-L-E-I. So 
I'm on the radio. You can hear me in Aiken and Augusta, South, uh, South Carolina and Georgia, Florence, South Carolina. Check out my social media pages on how to hear me. Uh, you might see me occasionally on TV one on some true crime shows there in <laughs> Oxygen discussing criminal cases. Um, and Indo Black, I definitely would encourage folks to go support Indo Black. Um, whether that be maybe there's some partnerships that you could team up with us, indoblack.org. Um, yes, you may be able to be a resource to us, but it's also an incredible resource. There's guides. Um, our founder, Lauren Cornegay, is an awesome young woman. Uh, she's also created like a for uh, not a fertility journal, an endo journal that you can take with you to write down your symptoms anytime, just kind of through the week and through the month. And you can take that with you to your doctor's appointments. Uh, Lauren has been amazing. She has really given everything to elevate and expand and bring attention to Indo Black Incorporated. And I really just want to give her some shine and some love because she's awesome. And having a safe space with other Black women who are going through the same thing has literally, literally been a godsend for mm -hmm. my mental, emotional, and my physical health. Because through them is how I found my most recent surgeon who I think did a beautiful job on, on just on my journey to healing and helping me feel better, right? And then there's just been so many resources on how to just your holistic route to healing, right? So endoblack, mm -hmm. again, endoblack.org, E-N-D-O-B-L-A-C-K, endoblack.org. And they are also, they also have a fantastic Instagram page um, that you can find them, find endoblack on Instagram as well. And and lastly, Brittany, if if it's okay, I, yes. I just want to share one more, one more nugget. Mm -hmm. um, upon my diagnosis, uh, people would invite me to different private Facebook groups and support mm -hmm. groups mm -hmm. for women who were on their own journey. And I found Indo Black to be the only space so far that I've wanted to stay committed to because we really do get each other and it is a safe space and women can really share. Sometimes women just need to vent because they yeah. don't have anyone who understands. Right. Yeah. But sometimes I'd be invited to different groups, um, you know, with, with the word infertility tied to it. So the last thing I want to share to anyone listening is, and people know, especially when I speak to teen girls is, you don't have to receive what someone calls you, mm -hmm. right? So I don't consider myself infertile. I don't mm -hmm. accept that word. I don't use that word. I don't acknowledge the word infertility. I-N means incapable. And I don't think that's who my God is. Mm -hmm. And so fertility, which is why I love your platform, fertility ain't fair, right? <laughs> it's, it's the journey of fertility. We never said infertile because we're not, we're not incapable because God isn't. So I just want to note that is don't speak infertility over your life. You may have fertility issues. There may be fertility challenges, but because you're still speaking life and fertility, fertile ground means there's still fertile opportunities. So that would be my parting word. Look to, uh, yeah. That, <laughs> and that was a word. And, and that's how we're going to end because, ooh. <laughs> Let, yeah, yeah. That the yeah. doctor, the doctor's gonna speak a lot of stuff, but I, I will. learned if you don't speak, if you don't speak life, then no one else is going to. Seriously, Ooh. Mm -mm. that's it. Don't do I it. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. This is a fertility journey. It. There is nothing I in incapable, impossible. Yes. There's nothing. No, that those words don't have a place here. So, I appreciate you, Brittany, and all that you're doing with your podcast and Thank just to you. have a, a, just rally around other women and even other couples who are going through this. Our story at Nova sister is really it's not. not. We're going to be back on this podcast one day with whole full praise reports. Okay. Tired with these babies. <laughs> in, in arm, in arm, hollering, 
and screaming in arms. And and we are going to be the next success stories for someone else in our shoes who is looking at the journey like, how? How? Amen. You yep. know, so I, I look forward to that day. I, I look forward to staying in contact with you and connection with you. And I will be ecstatic when I hear or see on social media that mommyhood is 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 you know part of your part of your who you are yes so thank you ashley once again for hopping in and checking in with us over at fertility and fair you are appreciated um thank you for sharing your journey and your story thus far i know there is still so much more to be written over your life and over what you have coming up and we don't even know where it's going yet but we know that there are there are good things coming um, and continuing to come for you and your journey so my key takeaways from this episode number one we've said it before um, but we'll say it again digital and social breaks are healthy know your limits know what season you're in know what platforms are most triggering um you know it's okay to take breaks you can announce it but you also don't have to you can just drop off and come back when you're ready and when you're in a better space um, to accept whatever is happening on social media. Number one. Number two, um, be your own advocate and find yourself an endo specialist. If you have been diagnosed or you have questions or you have symptoms and you haven't been heard, um, you know, find yourself someone who specializes in endometriosis because it can be very different from your typical OBGYN or whatever else. So be your own advocate, get a specialist. Um, number three, Endo Black as a resource. So this is an amazing organization. Ashley actually referred me to them when we first met. Um, and now I am happy to say I am a current ambassador for Endo Black Incorporated. So check them out. They are on Instagram and all other platforms, but Endo underscore Black. Check them out amazing resource, dope merch, amazing events. They actually have an event coming up at the end of March, um, their annual conference. So if you want to hop in, check me out, see me in person, and you happen to be in the DC, Maryland, or Virginia area, come on through. And also, uh, Holla Ashley, she's available to talk. She's very open. She's very honest, as you've heard. So she is at Ashley underscore Stevens. Check her out as well. And that's what we have today. That's what we got. So look, happy Endo Awareness Month. Get the help that you need. Talk until you get your answers. Ask until you feel heard. Um, we are all here to support you. Hit me up, of course, on social media at Fertility Ain't Fair on Instagram and Facebook, or go to our website, fertilityaintfair.com. And until next time, I am your forever friend in fertility. Stay hopeful.